0: Lord, Lord, the nature of your kiss The nature of the wilderness We're all made to walk Lord, Lord, the nature of your wrath It's not an easy path But I'm willing to trust I'm dying in the dust. Welcome to the Fellow Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lesbross. Listen in as I host humble discussions exploring the diverse expressions of Christian spirituality, tradition, and beyond. Enjoy and safe traveling. Hello my fellow travelers, thanks for listening in. I've really appreciated all your support. If you'd like to support me further, consider becoming a patron on my Patreon. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash sun underscore fellow traveler, or click the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. I love you and safe traveling. Hello everybody and welcome back. Happy Valentine's Day. Today we are celebrating the martyrdom of Saint Valentine, the Roman uh Christian who was subversive to the Roman Empire, and uh and the way we're celebrating it is by gathering together with our loved ones and buying them chocolates and flowers and taking them out on expensive dates. Well, at least that's how a lot of people are spending their their commemoration of the martyrdom of Saint Valentine. But t- today I'm spending it with a very special guest, Matthew D. Stefano, the one and only. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, we are celebrating by being sick, so oh. no no celebrations for us today. But um, happy Valentine's to you and yours, and whoever's out there who likes this
0: day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I I don't really buy it that much, but I was learning recently about Saint Valentine. He's a pretty cool guy, actually. And it is sad that yeah. how bastardized his day has become. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, sure. <laughs> I
1: just, you know, every everything gets turned into something a little bit kitschy, right? Yeah, unfortunately.
0: But anyway, how are you doing, Matthew?
1: Um, I, other than yeah, other than under the weather, fine. Yeah, oh, things, things are going good. Um, Sorry to good hear old. that. Yeah, no, I mean, it <laughs> is what it is. All good. Uh, but no, things are well. Thanks. Um, doing a lot of projects. Uh, doing a lot with choir publishing. Mm-hmm. Got a book coming out. Just I, I don't know. Doing a lot of things right now. A book on hobbits, right? Yeah, hobbits. That's I wanted sweet. to. I want. I wanted to shift my focus from something kind of uh, like theology to something yeah.
0: important like Tolkien. Exactly. One of the best um, allegories and under, ways of understanding probably theology and life philosophy. Human interaction the stories of Tolkien well yeah I would rank them up
1: uh I definitely care about his writings more than I do with the bible these days so yeah I got to, yeah I gotta tip my hat (laughs) to him there he's a cool guy what was his
0: first name I forget it was some weird name it was J-R-R did he have a name no just J just J yeah did his parents no, just no i'm
1: kidding i'm just playing with <laughs> okay you. It, it, well it's john ronald the, the second r is like uh, ruel john ronald ruel tolkien yeah, yeah so I, my middle name is john his first name is john of course I, i'm not that cool because the j and donald trump is also john so i know if, you know not not all
0: johns are cool it's not like one of the most common names <laughs> in the english language or all languages really yeah anywho where are you? Where are you zooming
1: in from? I'm zooming in from Northern California, a town called Chico. If you've ever drank uh, Sierra Nevada beer, that's from our town. Sierra Nevada
0: beer was cool, like
1: 10 years ago. But it's still it's still good. <laughs> well, I don't know if the owner cares how cool it is. It It's definitely very
0: popular still. <laughs> oh, it's still for sure. It's very popular. I just remember when it came out, it was like, dude you gotta try some draft beer man some craft
1: beer that's what it's craft beer well uh yeah grossman kind of i mean was way ahead of the whole craft beer game mm-hmm. right yeah
0: yeah very cool i know and now i'm in new england so we have the new england ipas you know that basically tastes like battery acid but um but we're supposed well, to like them. i think i think um on the back of the
1: ipas it says must be a calvinist to drink this and enjoy <laughs> it so there's something about that. there's a disclaimer in there that you probably missed <laughs>
0: exactly because they just like the taste of sour things true they're they're used to they're used to having to consume sour sour things Mm -hmm. (laughs) anywho um well it's really cool to have you on um and i'd love to hear a little bit about your story and that's kind of my my whole purpose of my podcast is hearing people's stories the abstract and the theological and whatnot is The intellectual propositional is it has its place but i think first and foremost it's people's experiences and for everybody that looks different that's what's so fascinating about it and that's why i title my my uh episodes off of the person's name because it's like this is your theology this is your experience in that way and um but like you you kind of came out years ago with a book uh wasn't that like a something about a heretic
1: it was just called heretic heretic that's with an, that's e- with an exclamation point yeah <laughs> um yeah a happy heretic right oh that's sure. your
0: not always happy but definitely a heretic <laughs> heretic for sure um but anyway yeah welcome here and you know if you want if you'd like to share as much or as little about your experience with the th- the faith and what experience did you have Any experiences? Whether mystical or mundane, that have kind you kind of kept you within the conversation um maybe if it even your faith looks a lot different than it did way back when um, yeah sure how, I, how did it yeah, start out? yeah
1: i I don't know i ha, i I kind of hesitate on like labeling something like a mystical mm-hmm. experience or not, I just think I mean you talk about experiences and The reason why I'm not a church fellow any longer, um, or even probably, I don't think of even myself as a Christian. I just don't think in these terms any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a disconnect between my theology and my experiences, right? Mm. So uh, I had a theology that was non-affirming. I had a theology of hell and wrath and left behind in rapture. And then Mm -hmm. I experienced the world and I experienced people not like me. And I just thought, you know, if I'm going to lead with anything, it's going to be my experiences right i think my you know the fancy way of saying that would be like my my epistemology would begin with direct experiences mm-hmm. and and in 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 my version of christianity which was evangelicalism uh that that is not emphasized your epistemology starts with the bible the clear mm-hmm. bible the word of god god if you're in the southern baptist tradition um but i'm sorry but you can't start your your knowledge of things with your interpretation of a book and i I think that's absurd um so Mm -hmm. when you when you have that disconnect and and you go to university you study philosophy and critical thinking and reasoning and sociology sociology anthropology all these things and education and you know the, the the christians in a more conservative camp would you know, call it like a, an indoctrination. But really, it's just experiencing people not like you and different experiences that are outside the box. And then those things don't really line up any longer. The things that you thought you believed or the things you were told to believe, really. Mm-hmm. And in my experiences, um, I was raised Christian, right? So everything, my worldview is handed to me without me being asked for like consent or like, hey, have you considered all these worldviews? And now, you know, pick the most rational one or pick the most, you know, <laughs> no, there's none of that this is the way the world is this is what God is like this is where you go if you don't believe in Jesus this is what God thinks of you if you're gay or bi or trans or whatever and if you try to point if i if I try to point back on where I first believed those things I can't right so that to me is the indoctrination like the things I believe now are things that I have they're they're a based on my experience and they're they're b things that I've wrestled with to get to the conclusions I'm at now. And they're loose conclusions, not like dogmatic, rigid ones like I had before.
0: Yeah, the term I've been using for the past couple of months is spiritual heritage. And it kind of looks like, well, it's kind of analogous to how we inherit certain genes, right? Or even we inherit the family that we are born into, right? And, yeah. and we don't ha- there's not a lot of choice involved in that. You know, so often, many Christians will talk about free will but I think they don't take into account, like, what about uh, the family you're born into? That's not a free choice. What about the genetics you're born with? That's not free. What about the psychology you happen to, um, the psychology and psychiatry um, that you happen to have? You know, um, what about the traumatic experiences that are outside of your control? And, you know, there's so many factors involved um, when it comes to every choice, but every choice more broadly, but even specifically, the choice about like, uh, placing one's faith in God. Um, And I think that's something that's really been challenging to me that um, it's challenged me to be gracious and charitable, because, you know, I may have been blessed to have certain experiences within my tradition within my family, you know, and, and, and despite even a lot of trauma and a lot of you know spiritual abuse within church a lot of indoctrination you know i I, here i am still able to have these conversations and i'm really i'm really happy that that's the case but you're right that there is aspects of our faith and experience that aren't um they're not like in a vacuum right they're they're kind of uh they're handed down to us without our consent. And that it really does beg the question of um accountability. Like how, how does God hold us accountable for things that are out of our control? You know, and and you'd like to think that God is gracious enough and, and also you know smart enough, I mean he's God, uh, to to take all those things into account. But when it comes to our interactions with one another. And like who we decide to include and exclude, or who um who we decide to welcome into our our tribe or or um, that that does affect our choice because we have to we have, we gotta take into account those things that are not in people's control. but I'm curious sure. to hear um a little bit about you know going back to when your faith looked more you know typical what what were the can you think of any um specific turning points
1: uh yeah i mean i mean i was never someone who held on to beliefs they they, they held on to me and so i was intellectually very curious and i was totally open to hearing an alternative version of the faith i never thought in these terms because it's kind of it's just like I realized, like looking back, how eager I was to learn about things and and digest them and really explore my faith. And I would ask rhetorical questions even as a as a child. So i I feel like the to put it loosely, the faith deconstruction that I would later go on was already kind of like the foundation was being laid when I was a kid. But I see I think some of the big ones were just like, um, one, the the intellectual pursuits of like, okay, let's really explore if God exists. Let's listen to some atheist debate, William Lane Craig or some other theist on the right or whatever. Um, And so when I looked at those debates objectively and I would read papers and I just, I found that the evidence for the God that I believed in, or i.e. God, because you're never given options. This is God. <laughs> um, the, the, the arguments were poor. And so I didn't really have, I, I didn't have an, a, a rational explanation for why I believed in God any longer. So that was a big turning point on the other side, coming in contact with later arguments for God or not even arguments for God, but just different theologies that were much more gracious and loving. Um, kind of create, you know, it, it's kind of like when you when you hear a different theology, you realize those, those old debates you used to love are kind of a straw man. Like it's like atheist debates, a very specific, like you said, narrow type of theology earlier. You're talking about like uh, our versions of Christianity we realize are very narrow when we were talking before we hit record. And realizing that I was like, okay, well, maybe there's a different alternative for God. So those two like in a, intellectual pursuits I would I don't typically talk about like turning points that uh are more mystical in nature. Those are my experiences that I'm I keep those a little closer to the vest because they're my experiences and I feel like sometimes trying to explain them would totally diminish them. Um I talk a lot about how like words are just pointers, we, in, in the church we almost think of words as like incantations or something. Like if I cuss, Christians want to like talk about, why did I do this, or well, how could you say, it's like, well, this isn't Harry Potter, words are not, I mean, they have meaning and things like that, but also, let's not give them too much power as if they're a magic spell or something. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that rambling thought. Um. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I've had experiences of God that really kind of turned me. I will, I will say one of them did have to do with uh, mushrooms at one point. And, but again, describing that kind of experience is really, really difficult, because it's, it's like when you have an experience like that, there's no reference point. A lot of our language we use, it, it's, they have reference points. A lot of languages binary, even if it's on a spectrum, like words have different meanings, they kind of point at something and we can kind of uh, see what those words might mean. But when I try to explain like a totally what, <laughs> mystical experience or even a mis- uh, an experience with mushrooms that I had, I was just like, I, I tried to put that to words and it just falls way short. So I barely even talk about it anymore. And if you if if you've done mushrooms, you're probably like, oh, yeah, he,
0: I can see what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or any psychedelics out there. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, I I think there there have been quite a, I mean, there's quite a few people out there that would attest to that for sure. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it's interesting because I think I found I actually had a, uh, a conversation recently with a guy who, he kind of was in that realm of like new agey stuff, and uh, and a lot of like the new agey folks get into like the the uh the mushrooms too which is interesting or or psychedelics and whatnot which is yeah I will
1: i will say that I'm definitely not quote unquote new age at all. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't put myself mm-hmm. in that
0: camp at all. No, but but it's interesting. Like I feel like new agey folks kind of tend to be a certain like a breed of people who and it's I hate to put them all in a box, but they're the same people who are that 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 person you went to school with that was kind of quiet. To themselves and then later on in life they they join a, a multi level marketing scheme and, and they're trying to be um some sort of like self starter boss um working for some ponzi scheme and then and then later on i don't know anyway
1: maybe
0: maybe, maybe they sell uh what are the oils oh yeah essential oils yep exactly essential oils, essential oils or vital life what was it called <laughs> i don't uh, know what's the thing called uh, i never yeah, got hey. involved in that no but <laughs> And they do, and not to, um, not to put down yoga because I think yoga has its place, but they're they're usually big about the yoga and whatnot. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, yeah. So anyway, coming back to you, um, then you got into writing. How did that happen?
1: Uh, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Like, I think I'm a very like busy minded person. And so it just made sense to write and so I started just blogging. Um I got I got connected with the folks at the Raven Foundation because I got really big into like René Girard and mimetic theory. And so um they actually were just like, "Yeah, you can be, you know, a guest contributor." And then then I became a, you know, a regular columnist for them. And I did that for like maybe a year and a half, two years. And I started doing stuff on Patheos as a guest contributor. Excuse me. Um, Just kind of went from there. And then I got my own blog on Patheos. In the meantime, I was writing and publishing books, which was really exciting. But, you know, it came without or not without its consequences with family life and in-laws. And, you know, you kind of, you're viewed as someone, a kind of a pariah, persona Mm. non grata when you start questioning and not only questioning, but putting forth like a, hey, this is where I'm at now. And mm-hmm. you know, oh, I don't believe in hell, or I'm totally affirming, or uh oh, Matt doesn't believe in atone the atonement of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I did, I did. That's just what they I didn't believe in Calvin's atonement. But, yeah. Um, no one should. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, but then I just started doing that and it was like, oh, I really like this, but it's never been um you know being a writer you unless you really hit a grand slam you you still you're a writer, but I've never gotten to be a full time writer uh I still do social work um and it's not been until recently where uh, uh now that I run choir publishing where it's like, oh, this could be actually a full time thing, yeah, which was wow. a dream of mine when i my first book was in twenty fifteen so mm-hmm. so that long ago, yeah, it's almost been ten years, jeez um eight years so i never you know i didn't have that hope it was just like i really want to write this book because i got something to say mm. and if it does well it does well if it doesn't i don't care um and now it's like oh people for some reason want to read my shit so mm-hmm. um, super stoked about that <laughs> so it's but
0: it's it's been a wild ride though honestly it's been a, it's did, been a wild ride did you think you would have like made i don't know not that like you're not like super famous, but then again, you're you're pretty well known. I mean, uh, Alyssa Child Childers name drops name drops you on a regular basis, you know. So <laughs> uh, wait, no, that'd that be news to me. She does. No, she oh doesn't. yeah, for sure. Alyssa Childers. Alyssa Childers. Whenever she mentions uh, progressive Christianity, I've I've definitely heard her name drop you for sure. I'll be super yeah. stoked to hear about that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you the episode that I heard it on. <laughs>
1: All right. Are you sure it was me?
0: I'm pretty. Yeah, she's mentioned you before. So, like, you know, uh, when people Lisa, think. Of her, uh, let's talk sometime. I, you know, I'd love that. <laughs> I'd love if she'd actually talk to someone who. I would love. Actually I would, would challenge really like her. It. Hey, I'll, I'll do. I'll eat an edible before we do. So I'll be super <laughs> nice.
1: I'll be super nice. <laughs> I won't be. I won't have an attitude. Nothing. I'll just be chill. You have to chill
0: down the cursing. Just, and well, I don't want no. to offend
1: her. So if I got a chance to talk to her and be like, hey, listen, like, what? hey, I, this is my theory. And, Give you me. know, no, no shade, met. So what I learned about YouTube is that once you find like the something that the algorithm really likes mm-hmm. some content, right, you want to lean into that content because then you're you're going to you're going to the algorithm likes that the people watching you start liking that. And mm-hmm. my theory is, is that when she started talking a lot about progressive Christians, mm-hmm. right, the YouTube algorithm really, really liked that oh yeah and now it's like damn all your content almost all the time from what i've seen there's a lot of it is about progressive christians that's all it is basically and so it's like okay i from look i never thought i'd be a business person so but i'm thinking of myself as a business i mean i run a business so i'm a business person now so Mm -hmm. i just think about these things and it's like okay i get it like if that works and that drives clicks and revenue and you can support yourself Mm -hmm. making this kind of content i just think the problem with like youtube and stuff like that is that then it just drives you to double down on whatever you're creating already, and mm. you start to end up being like, "What, what new do you have to say? Like, come talk to a progressive now, Ugh. like instead of just ranting and raving and driving that content and those clicks that the algorithm loves to send to those the people that are listening." It creates almost like this echo chambery type of situation, oh, for sure. and it's like, well, that's just not interesting.
0: You know what probably happened too is there's, you know how you have those theological watchdogs or doctrinal watchdogs out there. They're probably like, watch oh, yeah. out for Matthew D. Stefano. He's a heretic. And and I also there's this guy. And also this, this woman. And um, they I think like a whole by... list of like top 10 heretics out there. Or I love that stuff. I got, I did get blocked by Mark Driscoll a long time
1: ago. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's not the worst thing that could happen. Um uh, Do you know Glenn Sieper? He was, he made for his, project uh, what if project podcast he made mugs that had like the twitter thing of like you were blocked by mark driscoll (laughs) this is really funny (laughs) he did he like blocked out his name and image it just it's like
0: huh is it an award i mean it should be there should be a whole ceremony (laughs) there should there should be yeah anyway yes so as i was mentioning you know a couple years ago when she was coming out with her book um another gospel another gospel yeah another 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 mm-hmm. gospel 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 another gospel i was listening and this is before she even dropped the book this is in 2020 and she was like yes i'm reading this book about these progressive christians and they don't believe that god is a judge and yeah and then she dropped, dropped a couple names and one of them was yours and i was okay. like oh, who's, who's this matthew Di stefano guy wait so you first heard about me from
1: elisa childers
0: no you know i did hear i really hope that's true because that's awesome (laughs) no i did i i had like in the back of my head i had heard your name before and i maybe like come across a couple of your videos and but it was at a time when i when i when i really would have rejected everything you said so like was i was in a different mindset i think and then you didn't didn't come
1: you didn't come talk shit on my pathos did you i didn't know
0: actually, okay, i actually i read i used to read some of your stuff and some Keith's stuff back in the day um before i kind of started to feel like oh wait you know what they actually are starting to make some sense Uh oh we got you oh you got me Henry. i feel terrible now <clears throat> well i remember there was one article i was reading that keith wrote and it was about um like things that were per- purposely changed in the scripture to meet, mm-hmm. uh to reach certain uh to make certain um fit certain agendas and sure. like w- one of them was about how you know every knee shall bow, bow every tongue confess well it actually says every yeah. knee will joyfully praise um and confess whatever that is excellent yeah. here or whatever um and then another point was about how the woman apostle junior was changed to Junius so that it what uh so that would support that women can't be apostles or preachers or whatever yeah and I was like what
1: Shady right. shit. It's like, oh, shoot. I know. Yeah, they don't tell you that. That that. Um, I remember specifically as like a teen or something asking about that. I was like, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Like, okay, so everyone's going to like convert to Jesus? Like, well, no. I mean, you got to do it before a certain time. Otherwise, it's like, bow down, bitch. You know, like, exactly. you know, like oh, okay. What's That's... he going to do
0: next? Curb stop them or something? Yeah, like, like all
1: right, well. Tell me you love me. Crazy, yeah, exactly. Like some <laughs> weird stuff. Like that's American ex
0: history, or whatever.
1: yeah, if, and I was thinking like, if, okay, so Jesus is oh, we're supposed to be like him, like that. I can't, I can't do that. Like you got to like me, or you got to say my name, and or what?
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: it, and if they don't, you're gonna make them bow their And I okay, that didn't like that. But I remember asking that question. It was just like, oh, well, it seems like Jesus is kind of like that kind of like toxic alpha male drives a huge truck not to stereotype everyone but like Mm -hmm. a loud truck with like you know confederate flag flying out the (laughs) like that i don't know is that what jesus was like Uh, yeah exactly throwing a
0: bud light out the back
1: (laughs) this guy's kind of an asshole
0: yeah i mean it definitely it does make you ponder and think when you actually go back to some of the original language and you're like whoa that's not what I thought it meant, cause yeah, that's that's what I thought. It oh, blew up. my mind when
1: you look up the words and you're like, oh, that has has a different. Like if you just look it up right now, it'd be like to mm-hmm. gladly confess, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, so they're happy about it, and <laughs> and then they're screwed, <laughs> and, like, then
0: they're away, and then they're thrown, and then they're roasted. Yeah, food. like huh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it definitely makes you scratch your head. Yeah, and some people try to get around it by saying, well, the wo- the ones who are gladly confessing, it's it's every knee. That's after like they've all been like annihilationists will say, "Well, that's after all the the reprobate have been destroyed. So then everything.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, look, the Bible says, the Bible says whatever you want it to say. And I guarantee you could twist it up like a pretzel to make it say anything you want to say. And the way I approach it now is like when people ask me about passages like that or ones that are less affirming and less universalistic, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I'm sure. Hey, look at, I mean, People in the Bible believed a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. You can't convince me that Moses had the same worldview as Paul. No. There's just no way. I mean, Judaism is such, from what I understand, is it's supposed to progress and change and adapt. And it's kind of like asking the question, if I could be overly reductive, is like, how does God relate to us right now? So if that's kind of like the premise of a rabbinic discussion, Mm. uh, things are going to change as you go. So (laughs) you you can the bible is going to say the bible is going to argue for you can find passages about annihilation and the wicked being annihilated and you can find passages about universalism and you can find passages that oh wow it seems like people do go to hell oh what does hell mean no oh, it could mean this what's Gehenna mean? mean we can't really know when jesus said it what we can't really know it can mean some annihilation it can mean you know some it can mean literally of being annihilated. like it, it could mean a whole bunch of different stuff do people suffer in hell? Yeah. In Judaism, it's like, oh, 18 months at the max. You're like, what? I never heard that. <laughs> so, yeah, again, the Bible can be used to bring life or, or death. And, you know, a lot that of too, really, many, too many Christians
0: choose the latter. That is what's really fascinating about Judaism. They they have the rabbinic um, teachings and, and, and like some rabbis are like so great that they consider their word to be like, the truth, you know, and even over the scripture, like their interpretation of the scripture is the truth. And I mean, that's a lot of times what we do as oftentimes in Christianity, especially in evangelicalism, we, we'll raise, we'll raise vo- people's voices, you know, certain theologians that we like or that support our, our worldview, um, we'll raise them even above the scripture. So it's not even sola scriptura, it's really sola, this guy's interpretation of the scriptura, which I don't really think guess. they I, yeah I don't think they realize that though
1: like if I told my former church a lot of them i some of them do, but like if i if I told my former church, look like what you believe about atonement came from the 15, 1600s with Calvin who kind of took something from Anselm in the ten you know eleventh century, they would go like what are you talking about you're like no that's that's the development of what you believe about mm-hmm. what atonement kind of means it's 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 a modification of something Anselm came up and Calvin being a lawyer emphasized more justice and the judiciary mm-hmm. aspect of that, you know, right? That makes sense that a lawyer would think of it in these terms. But Christians would just yeah. say it's the gospel. you are like, no, it's it's a theory, not in the way science is a theory, but it's a theory mm-hmm. of how, how we're made one with God. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. eight others, nine others. I mean, whatever it is, I, I don't remember the exact count because some are similar and some are like, adaptations of another. Yeah. So even things like that like they don't go I don't a lot of Christians just don't know the history of of theological development of thought. And it's something mm. I, I I I was listening to Rob, not Rob Bell. It might have been Richard Rohr on Rob Bell's show or maybe on You Made It Weird with uh Pete Holmes back in the day over a decade ago I'm sure. Uh he said something about like in his tradition Franciscan Catholicism they emphasize the the development of Christian thought rather than theology. Mm. And in Protestantism we tell you like we we use phrases like sound biblical doctrine. Like we we yeah, use yeah. The, like that's and and that was that's a different in in other slices of Christianity as if that could be attained. Yeah, well, I mean the reformed understood. folks are very arrogant about their stance and where it comes from and they would say it's the gospel it's just calvinism it's got to not... drink more loggers yeah, yeah i mean they put too much <laughs> biblical beard oil on one day and it went to their head i don't know i mean i it, you know it and and i don't even think they read calvin that much i think i've probably read calvin more than a lot of Cal, like my old calvinist friends i was like have you actually yeah. read this shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it obviously comes from a context of like his time and place not not first century you know, Palestine, mm. Israel, like, it's like, this is middle age stuff.
0: Another interesting thing too, is like, I, there were, I went through a, a reformed period where Calvinism made sense to me intellectually, even though I, at the same time, it was kind of terrifying. Right. Um, yeah. But intellectually it just made sense. It's like, you know what? That would explain why I, I have faith, but why doesn't that guy have faith or that woman have faith or that person have faith, you know, that would explain, that would make sense to, um, yeah but then but then i'm always judging like oh well does he really have faith do i even have faith you know you have this constant um doubt and questioning but then what was interesting is like i i was a part of this um reformed group that was involved with it that was a part of this podcast or affiliated with this podcast and i remember listening to them and oftentimes they wouldn't even appeal ultimately to the scripture they'd say go back to the creeds listen uh read go back to what the westminster uh, confession says and that's that's like the correct interpretation of the scripture it's like so you're not sola scriptura you're you're really creedal a modernist credo modern creedal christian like it's really fascinating when you really think about it that way
1: yeah calvinism is really good as an internal system i think the internal logic is is very sound and that's the appeal i think mm-hmm. it i think it rests on like a, a thousand premises that are absurd yeah um you know it's this presuppositional apologetics because they really need those presuppositions for their whole system to work and without them it's like this is bonkers like because when you ask them rhetorical questions you got five kids pick two of them for hell and two of them three of them like they can't answer those questions they have to appeal to the fact that god is unknowable and we can't know the mind of god and this is you know ways are, ha- right, are higher than our ways right they
0: have to appeal to that because
1: it's absurd right <laughs> so with god evil can be good and good evil and we can't say anything about it because that's just our uh limited human under- blah 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 mm-hmm. um but it doesn't work the minute you punch holes in those presuppositions but in- internally once you're in the calvinist club a, it makes sense. B, like you said, it's terrifying because in its theology, you cannot be assured of your own salvation. Mm. It, you can't. And 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 every Calvinist probably knows this. I can't be a hundred percent
0: sure until you're dead. Um, and they talk about assurance of salvation uh, as yeah, if it's but, so easily attained, but it's. But not. they
1: can't know if they're actually part yeah. of the elect. You 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 simply can't. Um, yeah you can believe you are and you can hope you are but in the end you the, the rug could be swept out from under you and i've i read when i was doing uh, uh research for my book heretic i was doing research specifically on calvinism um and i was reading accounts of of calvinists who were suicidal because they acknowledged that theological fact and it wow. drove them like it drove them mad Mm. um, and caused a lot of depression. And when I think about it and try to put myself in those shoes, I'm like, yeah, that makes that intellectually makes sense because
0: you would be in such an existential perpetual crisis. That's horrifying. You know, and speaking from my own experience, and I've talked about this quite a bit with some other folks too. Um, I've gone through like different bouts of anxiety and depression and especially like, um, in one One of the instances, a lot of it did have to do with that very fact that Mm. I felt pretty secure in my own salvation, in my own faith, but I hated the idea of what about everyone else? What about people? And then I, and then you know, the events of 2020 really changed a lot for me. That like, and, and a lot for everybody. Obviously, we we went through a global pandemic together but you recognize everybody was so divided and didn't want to work together. And Mm -hmm. it was that it's like, okay, guys, this is, this isn't um, hypothetical. We're not, this isn't propositional. This is real life. Like we got to work together. And there were so many Christians who weren't willing to work with uh, work with the world and with society to um, do the right things to help the, the, those who are, um, you know, immunocompromised, or who uh, really we should be laying down our rights and privileges for, and and then you know with the whole um, the 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 racial racial tensions in America coming to the forefront with the, the riots over twenty twenty, um, that really uh, made me think like wait, maybe Christianity is more focused around this concept of justice. And then you come to realize that in Jew, in uh, Hebrew, uh, the word for righteousness is the same word for justice. and then you come to realize when Jesus is talking about blessed are those who are hungry hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's really talking about hunger and thirst for justice, the 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 reordering and the putting right of society. and then um, you know, the whole propositional Calvinism the uh, systematic theology kind of stuff just it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, wait, this is about real people's lives. Mm, and yeah. um, that was, but I had to struggle and feel um, really disillusioned with, with Christianity for a little while in order yeah. to, in order to realize, wait, I need to, I need to change the way I view my faith or I'm going to lose it. Um, or I'm, I might, lose my own mind you know because yeah. faith has been something that's really helped me rooted rooting me um just psychologically mentally spiritually in um have given me some sort of foundation to lay my life upon so when that was no longer working in lived experience i had to do something you know and and sure i joined the band bandwagon of deconstruction and i think it's it's cool it's sexy yeah it's sexy you want to be cool with your friends shoot (laughs) i did i started wearing my baggy pants with my boxers hanging out i started um, you know (laughs) (laughs) whatever you gotta do whatever whatever was sexy back in the 90s oh there you go anyway the 90s are back folks that's what i hear my uh my daughter she's
1: she's about to be 13 uh this year um the way she dresses, I was like, "You look like you're going to a Stone Temple pilot show." <laughs> <laughs> it came all the way back, man. Yep. Yeah.
0: People are gonna start skateboarding again, maybe. I don't know. Oh, there's still
1: skateboarders. There's still skateboarding.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we went on a long tangent, but back to your story. So you started writing, and you never thought that you'd make it so far as to be name dropped. Yeah, I never thought video. I'd be. A, I never thought I'd be strip. so
1: big, man. Like i can't i i don't even want to show you my bank account it's embarrassing (laughs) no i mean i've been i you know it takes a level of privilege to be a writer my my wife is a is an rn she's a very successful rn um she's certified in gastroenterology she's you know i mean that that has helped me immensely in just being able to put aside time because sometimes you know you write you're not writing for a paycheck, but sometimes you write for over a year before you get paid and in and in other industries that's just that doesn't happen like if you don't if I go to work for two weeks and I don't get paid like and it keeps going on, I don't get paid. I'm not going to work there anymore um, so it, it definitely you have to have i have to acknowledge that it takes a level of of privilege to be able to do something like that um, and then you know, uh fortunate enough to have the trust of rafael Palendo, who owned choir publishing for seven years and created something out of nothing and had a dream and a vision and was like um i can't do that dream and vision the way i want to any longer because he's doing other things and to trust me and keith to continue that and push it further is like super fortunate um but I i think that just happened I don't want to say out of luck. Uh there's some level of chance in there, but like my second book was like, oh yeah, I'll go with this. My second book was their third book. I think it's third book for choir publishing in their history. And so I was like, yeah, I'll take a chance on this t- tiny little company with three <laughs> books, um, uh, or two books, I guess, in their catalog. Um and I don't know. That's one of those, is it just coincidence or is that like. God's fingerprint. I don't know. God's sovereignty. It's his outright oh, holy sovereignty. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean the Christians who were kind of poking fun at would say it's the Satan's handiwork. No, sure. yeah, that's what it is. But um no, I mean it's just one of those things where like was it lucky that that was offered to me? Yeah, but you kind of make your own luck. Like Keith and I have been dedicated to choir. We've invested a lot in choir. When we were not owners and um i i i think ralph picked the the two right people because we care deeply about it and we're going to do right by it in his vision and i think he knew that and we kind of proved that so uh to be able to work with all these authors i mean trust me there's a learning curve and there's frustration Mm -hmm. (laughs) running a company when you i literally never wanted to run a business at all um but it's been like super super awesome yeah, and it's, it's pretty recent, right? It's like, yeah. I mean, we've been working for choir since like July, maybe behind the scenes, and but we took over the company January one official. Wow. I mean, officially, officially, like running everything. So it's that's been crazy. as we're recording this, it's been like six weeks. Um, wow! But yeah, that's nuts. the amount of the amount of stuff we're doing is like
0: wild. And I saw recently you guys are doing the, the choir classics. Kind of revamping old. Yeah. Books. So
1: um, Raphael, I think is he should have at least like ten awards with graphic design. Um, we had this. Uh, he had this idea a long time ago to do public domain classics, and in the publishing world, you could do that. Um, you can't sell them unless you create unique products, right? So we're partnering with like awesome authors like David Bentley Hart, William Paul Young, who wrote the Shack. Uh, Brian Zahn, Beth Allison Barr, Sean Jaw, myself, Keith, um, writing forwards for classics that John either... MacArthur, John MacArthur, RC Sproul, John Piper, John Piper um... RIP RC Sproul. Uh, oh, he's, is he passed away?
0: RC Sproul, yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago.
1: No, see, I'm not a Calvinist, cancer. Or... Oh, well, I'm ripped. not not making fun of the guy, but no, um, no, we're not. Yeah, we're, we're not joining them but uh we are getting some pretty cool people to uh write forwards for classics that that have um our thing is like florida's banning books we're trying to make books cool again so Mm. we want people reading like we're uh we're launching these on i don't know when this is going to come out but february 21st um we're launching with the kingdom of god is within you by Mm. leo tolstoy forward by keith giles um We're not just saying theological because yawn. Um, David Bentley Hart offered a forward for uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. And then I found this this was like the coolest thing that ever happened to me or we just stumbled upon, you know, um, I am a hobbit in all but size like Tolkien was. And there is a public domain collection of poetry that his good friend Uh, Jeffrey Bash Smith, who died in World War One, had published posthumously by Tolkien, who offered a foreword for him. Wow. So, uh, my name is going to be on the same cover as J.R.R. Tolkien. Wow. And I just today ordered author copies, and so that'll be here soon, and I will probably shed a tear, a single tear, because that will be a nice moment um so cool. we're, we're really wanting to get people reading again like we're going to publish uh the odyssey and the iliad by homer hmm. we're publishing the call of the wild we're publishing uh obscure things like the prophet um william paul young is offering a, a forward for that um what else do we have we have a lot of cool stuff coming and That's i just awesome. think I, yeah and the books are gorgeous um mm-hmm. they're phenomenal and we just want people reading the cl- we want reading people reading the classics. We want mm. people reading books. You know, can I say the F That's word awesome. here? Sure. Fuck all those people who are trying to take, take away books, man. Hitler. Hitler did that. So you're never on the right if you're taking away this kind of stuff. You're never on the right side of history. No. You got to read the book even like I mean, they're 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 important and they're even if they're offensive, even if they're terrible books like just know the history you come from. A lot of books, like, we shouldn't do the things in the book. <laughs> we should take, you
0: know, like, thought books are terrible. But we should know about them because that's, we got to avoid those things, too. So I think books. the Bible is a great example of that, isn't it? Because, like, there's a oh, lot of like, messed up stuff in there. A lot that, of messed up. But, you know, why did the ancient Jews keep that in the book? Because they wanted people to learn. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, again. Steal your steal your friend's wife and then kill him in battle. Don't do that.
1: Yeah, you ever think like, why do all these weird flaws exist? And you're like, because something happened at one point where they got to be like, eh, we probably should write that down. And exactly, say do that. write this
0: down before it gets <laughs> forgotten. It, I think, I think that's what was going on. It they has obvi- to be. They, well, they obviously they weren't doing for a it. Reason. They weren't doing it to be like, this is how you should live your life. So the logical conclusion is, don't do this. You know, <clears throat> don't yeah. have 700 wives like Solomon. You know, unless you know, unless you're in Wyoming. Good luck. I've I I,
1: the, the scariest place i ever been to was in Wyoming. I was driving back from... I used to live in Providence, Rhode Island. And I was driving back... You lived to, in Providence? East Providence. Oh. On, are you familiar? Of course. I live in Central Mass in the Worcester area. West. Oh, Wista. yeah. So I'm a Sharks fan. They don't play it in Worcester anymore, do they? The, no, the it's the Railers Sharks. now. Railers. The railers. Yeah, they're <laughs> no longer the Sharks.
0: Now we have the Woo Sox. So do you remember the Paw Sox? Yeah, they played in Pawtucket. They did. The Paw Sox now are in Worcester. It's called the Woo Sox. It's kinda did cool. you ever go to Worcester? I've been to Worcester. Not you, a lot you going on Kelly there. remember Kelly Square? No, I've only been once. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, right I, the, what, what, what reason did I have to go up to Worcester? Uh, you know, I didn't back, know you. Didn't. How, how long ago were you in Providence? Oh, gosh. Uh, 07 and 08. So at that point, there was a lot of people moving in a lot of young people moving in including like my brother and and his brother they were all moving in these young families and they're kind of like moving into these cheap apartments like rent was cheap back then housing was cheap it was a budding city at this point at this point it's like you know we're we're getting up there to like providence level um boston level i mean we still have years to go before that but oh is it like pretty nice now though it's really developed really nice Wow. yeah And um just remind
1: me like of a big wound socket, just like this nothing town.
0: No, I mean maybe at at one point it was there was a lot of abandoned factories. So like Kelly Square with the water district, they call it the the uh what do they call it? The water district. No, I don't know. There used to be a canal, so they call it Mm -hmm. there's something related to water. The canal district, that's what they call it, (laughs) obviously. There's a bunch of abandoned factories and they turned them all into apartments and there's this new Worcester public market and yeah, they the did that in thing. Providence because
1: Providence was like that too, it was all run down and yeah. shoddy. And then, like you know, like they hey, just figured it was about dang time make some of that, that mob money.
0: Well, let's let's put it into the city. So, long story short, the Woo Sox are now in. Uh, sorry, the Paw Sox, Paw Sox are now the Sox, Woo yeah. Sox in Worcester. They have a yeah. nice big stadium. Oh, that's cool. I went. Uh,
1: I'm a big Red Sox fan. Um, I got to see uh, John John Lesta, uh throw a no hitter against the Royals, and I was, wow. I was there. My wife and I were there. Uh, in Fenway. Yeah, it was really, cool. That, really was, cool. that was like like people were just hugging people, like crying. My
0: God, yeah. Wait, did you grow and up in Rhode Island?
1: No, I grew up in San Jose, California. We went out there on an adventure. We were like Bilbo Baggins, except young and stupid. We went on an adventure and we're like, oh, this is not what we should have done. And so we drove back.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Yeah,
1: like two years later. No, I liked it. It's just like, you know, when it's cold. It, it wasn't even that. I mean, it was like we were 20 something and young and just like, mm-hmm like not mature at all and then when you go to a new place you're just not as cool and mature as you think you are wow. so it's like uh we got to reevaluate this let's go back to cali <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, yeah but cali's expensive man dude it's yeah no it's rough but what are you gonna do it's home yeah mm-hmm. that's all that matters so. and now that you've acquired acquire you you're rolling right.
1: in it acquired it well done yes, sir
0: acquired it. i did that with key Key rolling
1: too. in it oh you're hilarious um no uh, uh industry's industry's funny it's like music industry, everything's slow Yeah. like what you work for now you'll see in six months hmm. so it's um you'll get there we'll get there for like, sure it's only been six weeks, so we're doing some cool things, so I'm
0: excited I was curious of something so going back to twenty fifteen you published your book heretic yeah what what was your other book that you wrote what were your other i
1: books? I've written uh, The Wisdom of Hobbits will be my 10th.
0: What? You've written that many books? Wow. I got to do more research.
1: You got to my... listen to more
0: yes. Lisa Childers. Yeah, apparently I haven't been listening.
1: Enough. Hey, everyone go to allsetfree.com. All my books are there.
0: Allsetfree.com. There you go. It's the name of my first
1: book. Yeah. Um, Allsetfree. Yeah. So, I mean, my like my main books are Heretic and From the Blood of Abel are my two most
0: popular. had mm. another one about something about water right something oh learning to float yeah learning that's float. my
1: that's my story uh i wrote it with michelle collins it's actually like an edited transcript of a bunch of conversations we had wow that's cool um about my story and then i came out by so we had a, a chapter about that and kind of the reaction to that and wow um you know all the mm-hmm. assumptions made about bisexual people
0: that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a wild couple of years, man.
0: I be, I bet. So when did that <laughs> when did learning to float come out? Um last June? Oh, it was recent. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. So and I mean, you know, do you think that had a a big um you know role in your desire to be more affirming or or desire for a Christianity or religion that would be more affirming into the lgbt community or do you think or were you already kind of are in that path well before oh i've been i've been affirming for
1: i don't know 15 some odd years Mm -hmm. so um i think in terms of my own sexuality i had to be i had to become affirming to accept the fullness of myself just yeah. kind of knowing what was going on and then it takes a long time to figure out the language of it and how to word it and how to articulate it
0: but mm-hmm. no it was- i
1: mean yeah learning to float was well past my the reason i included it was because i had come out in 20 21 uh, yeah april of oh, wow. 21 yeah so i wanted to talk about it and mm. just like as you know as a way to stand in solidarity with others and
0: no, oh, it is really important for people to hear your story, especially because sure. I think like, that's one of those peop- things where people are like, you know what, what? You mean you're not one way or the other, you're both. Like, what does that even mean? You know, it's fascinating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? You're just making this up. You're just making it
1: up. That's a how lot you, of people yeah.
0: gaslighting you.
1: <laughs> a lot of people doing a lot of things. Yeah. Um I think the most interesting thing was that it, someone who shall remain nameless, um, likened it to a condition that progresses like towards more and more gay and so it's been a funny joke to make to think of it like that <laughs> like like if i start doing some gay stuff and it's going to be like oh well can, condition's progressing nothing you can do about it <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's a it's wild it's a word, man it's, it's a progressive disease uh yeah
1: it's like a stage progressive two, illness stage yeah, 2 gayness stage stage 3 gayness is going to come out next year
0: <laughs> oh no stage four and it's terminal you only have six months got six months so you're
1: full-blown gay
0: it's interesting that in when in the
1: age of google that people know so very little um Mm -hmm. you don't you don't got to learn the dewey decimal or go down to your local library although we, we should go to our libraries more often but you don't have to go down there and look up in a encyclopedia you can just ask Alexa, "What is uh, what is a bisexual?" And she'll tell you. <laughs> mm, Alexa, <laughs> yeah, she'll be yeah. fine with it. You your one you sentence great. answer. I did that. This, oh.
0: contributor <laughs> says, so he, this contributor says, "According to this contributor, Matt DiStefano." Yeah. This Alexa Answers contributor Matt DiStefano says,
1: "I don't. We haven't oh. gotten there. We've gotten Alisa Childers. I, you got to send me that link. I think I you're will, on." You know, I think I, you're, I think I would have known about this by now because Keith listens. She's to She's mentioned of you. Childers.
0: I promise you, she's mentioned you a couple times on her panel oh. podcast when she thinks of, you know, just to name a few progressive Christians. We have Matt DiStefano and oh um, my Richard gosh. Rohr
1: yes. and Rob yes. Bell oh, you're and, gonna put me in
0: that. I mean, that's an and, honor. Uh,
1: and I'm gonna remix that too because that's gonna turn into that's gonna turn into a bop.
0: Yeah, put it as like a you know. A sample for Oh, it's a rap. Kind of so good. Yeah. You and Keith can rap over it. Uh speaking of you and Keith, you guys have very entertaining podcast. Um I wanna I'm not heretic not heretic happy hour though. Is that the one? Not the, that's other the one. one. Happy Heretic? No, what's it called?
1: No, we have two. Uh Heretic ha- Happy oh. Hour and Apostates Anonymous. Apostates
0: Anonymous. That's the one. Yeah. Apostates Anonymous. And you guys have quite um quite the sponsors
1: we have a lot of good sponsors it's incredible yeah. that's been the funnest thing about the show
0: you know it's weird i i keep reaching out to the, these sponsors and they just they don't they, they, they won't don't, answer they don't and return they your, um, like there's nothing i go to their website and you got nothing to purchase i think gotta, it's a, I think it's a grow, front
1: you got to grow the show a little bit and then they'll they'll come searching for you
0: i think they're a front for something yeah. some some sort of laundering
1: scheme going on The the funny thing about writing those ads it's like kind of snl skit type things Mm -hmm. is that they're not that much different than the actual stuff that is out there and most of it obviously (laughs) is poking fun at a certain type of christianity yeah but they're all really inspired they're only slightly like more hyperbolic and ridiculous than the actual stuff that we're making fun of like we and then we have an ad for biblical beard oil that's inspired by biblical beard oil and then Keith had it he's like uh, Keith has an old friend who actually like either owns a biblical beard oil company he like, does yeah I saw, like, I for real we weren't even making fun of that guy it was a different we were making fun of a different bi- biblical beard oil mm-hmm. so there's multiple biblical beard oils out there um, it's wild yeah we have a we have an ad for like the Brett Kavanaugh Institution of Fine Arts or something I mean. <laughs> Or Institute of Culture and whatever it is. Just stupid stuff.
0: Man, Beck Kavanaugh, he did some weird stuff. There was one of he these He's a Supreme
1: Court justice, though, which just some, proves that America is like completely random.
0: What was the thing about like boofing? I had never heard about it before. And boofing? apparently it had something to do with, it had something to do with ingesting alcohol through one's anus. And apparently they did that back in the 80s at his parties. And they talked about it in a Supreme Court hearing. I remember listening to this and be like, "Is this real life?" That's wild. <laughs> but anyway, and here, they, and here they say the LGBTQ
1: community is is weird. <laughs> boofing. All right, I don't know. that's new. That's new to me.
0: If you're boofing, I think
1: I'm not going to kink shame you. It just sounds it sounds um sounds dangerous.
0: It does really sound dangerous. I I don't think it's. Good idea, but apparently,
1: I think the I think the colon ab- 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 absorbs liquid really. I think the Holy Spirit just left
0: this podcast.
1: <laughs> I don't think the Holy Spirit was ever here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Holy Spirit flies where she may, like the wind. Exactly.
0: Um. But anyway, um yes. Yeah, so I had an idea for an advertisement. Actually, when you there's a really great sponsor out there. Um, I forget what the name of it is though, but you. You should check them out. Basically, are you? I'm sure you're familiar with charismatic movement, Pentecostal. Yeah, movement.
1: yeah. I live like an hour south of Bethel, Reading. Oh, yeah. So they're that's a wacky of, side of it. They're kind yeah. of famous, right? For sure. Well, gold dust you, and feathers and all that. You stuff? know
0: how they invented? I think somewhere in China they invented these uh these bicycle like airbags. You know those airbags they use for bicycles. Um, no, basically like. It senses when you're about to fall off your bike, and it deploys these airbags around your body. Goes, and like you fall and you land on the airbags instead of falling on your body on the on the street. I could have used that one time. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I broke my collarbone three days before. I have this huge. I have
1: this huge scar down my side from a bike accident. Yeah.
0: It's dangerous. It was yeah. three days before my wedding and I had a loose Ouch. water bottle in my water bottle container and it fell out, hit my back tire. I fishtailed, went over my handlebars and broke my collarbone. I had to wear a sling at my wedding. It was great. Not cool. No, it wasn't fun, but it was an interesting experience. Anywho, um, I was thinking of, um, there's a sponsor out there who works with charismatic folks. um, And you know, there's a classic case of getting slain in the spirit well there's there's legitimate cases of being slain in the spirit what about those people sometimes you just get pushed over against your will and you're not ready to fall well make sure you wear your um i don't know what you call it but
1: you're like a bubble boy
0: yeah like a but but it deploys as it senses you're falling (laughs) is that a real ad no of course not but that's an idea that's a good idea
1: i like that (laughs) I have to note that one. The, the the funny thing is that most of the ads are are based on real stuff that you think is absurd, but that could be,
0: well. I could I mean, that it is a real thing. thing for uh bicycles. But bicycle not, riding, not but.
1: charismatics. I went to a, um I went to a Pentecostal church one time, like in Las Vegas when I was like twelve, and there were people like holy rollers, like really, like they were roaring like lions, rolling literally rolling down the. Down the aisles and I even I was just like, oh, this is fantastic. I remember even thinking that as a kid, I was like, this is so good. Um, I don't believe any of it, but <laughs> it's it's phenomenal to watch. This is super entertaining.
0: Yeah, it it can get kind of weird sometimes. It can get wild. You yeah. know, it's weird. I I to be honest, I have some I've mixed ex, mixed feelings about it because there were some really wild experiences. You know, you do really see sometimes you do really see people get healed sometimes it's like uh it's like people really do have these like words of knowledge like they know know things about people i'm like how the heck does that happen but but a lot of people have like those uh you know those experiences of kind of being pushed over like forced to the ground um or like i don't know it's like why aren't you speaking in tongues speak in tongues your salvation depends on it you know sometimes people actually have that sentiment Kind of scary. Yeah, I
1: think I think um I mean I'm not one to discredit anyone's experiences per se. Um I would say that that whole world does lend itself to a type of spiritual abuse. Um where there is uh and, and so there's going to be a lot of imitative behavior and, and mimesis. And when I say that I don't mean that like it's not real because mimesis is very real. You get caught up in like you get caught up in the moment other people you know typically you're having these moments when other people are at the same time um mm. a lot of times it's like in a church setting a lot of time it's in a group setting and there's a group psychology to it i'm not going to discredit like everyone's experience um, i think their experiences could be real i just think i've talked to a lot of people who have also admitted to like oh, i just went along with it because you kind of have to mm. because like you just said you know, people are gonna shame you if you're not having that experience. You're not yeah showing yourself worthy. Like you do you not even believe this, or you just you know, why aren't your hands mm-hmm. up? Why aren't you singing? Why aren't you dancing? Twerking on stage. I don't know, whatever yeah, you want
0: twerking. to do. <laughs> no, I'm you know for I, Jesus. I am glad that in my experience with the charismatic and I think God was gracious enough to shield me if there ever was cases of kind of spiritual abuse, which there was, yeah, for sure. Um that affected people in my family with depression and all sorts of issues um and churches that fell apart were broken up merged and like even now I feel like every time a church kind of church community that's really tight falls apart a lot of people get hurt a lot of people just kind of end up um you know with a lot of questions and Yep. a lot of doubts and it's it's tough but yeah um and i'm lucky i feel lucky that in my experience i, I didn't really I really experience any outright um abuse or whatnot yeah good but i actually had a lot of ex- positive experiences with god and, and that's a big i think it's a big reason for my faith for me it was a lot of um my faith was actually very experiential Mm-hmm. and then as i got older it was filling in the gaps intellectually and propositionally and trying to figure that out and that's when it yeah. comes to like okay well how do i make sense of that that's where it gets tricky it's like what does faithfulness look like you know um because up till now i feel like god's been pretty faithful to me and providing um me with like a very pretty loving environment way to grow ways to grow you know, but what does faithfulness look like now? You know, how, do I d- just because like maybe some ideas that I have change or some beliefs that I have changed, does that mean I'm not being faithful anymore? Or does it mean that, you know, those experiences I had with God don't require me to necessarily remain evangelical or remain, you know, within a certain camp of or tribe of Christianity, you know, and, and that's kind of part a big part of the process of deconstruction. Kind of understanding that. Yeah, I think I think it I think it takes a level
1: of growth and maturity to understand that faith is not tied into your beliefs about something. Um, hmm. And I I even like to think of it less of faith. Um, when I was really I'd say like post evangelical but still Christian, I would have said, um, and I still like this phrase to some degree, like. It's not about what faith I have. I have trust that Jesus had faith. So when I think of faithfulness, it's Christ's faith. And I mm. trust that. And then I don't have to have faith. I just trust the one that did have faith. Mm. And I think that would be more Pauline. That would be very yeah. very, in much, very much in line um when I remember studying Christian theology as much as I was. Mm-hmm. Um Pistis Christu was more not. Um, faith in Christ, but the faithfulness of Christ. Yeah, that's been a big debate. Yeah, and I lean on the side of it's the faithfulness of Christ that Mm -hmm. we then trust. And I think Mm -hmm. that just, um, I'll leave the linguistic stuff to the scholars in that field, but I like to take uh, the high view of like, okay, what's the overall context? And And I look at just, I think of Paul, and it seemed like for Paul, it always emphasizes Christ. So if it comes down to a debate on, you know, what's the real crux of the matter, it's faith in Christ or the faith of Christ. It would always be the faith of Christ mm. that we then trust in because that puts Christ first. And that seemed more in line with Paul,
0: where his theology ended yeah. up. Um, it, you yeah. know, that it just works so much better because then it ends up being like, am I generating enough faith in myself? And uh, then it beca- yeah, you never yeah, can
1: become self-referential, yes, right. exactly. And that would that would never be in li- in line with Paul. And I think NT Wright falls on the it's, it's, sure. it's 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 the faith of Christ. It's the faithfulness mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah.
0: And many scholars are moving in that direction. What they call the makes new perspective more sense. in Paul. And, you know, yeah. it's funny. I was, I was actually in the other the other discussion around that is um, when Paul was talking about we are not justified by works he was really talking about works of the law and not works. Because a lot of Christians mean like, oh, we're not justified by works. I don't have to take care of the poor. I don't have to help help the homeless. I don't have to clothe the naked. I don't have to feed the hungry. I don't have to take care of the widow, widow and the orphan and the imprisoned because I have faith and I'm justified by faith alone. Well, that's not what Paul was talking about. And I was actually talking with an Eastern Orthodox ch- uh, priest and he said the same thing. He's like, a lot of people misunderstand. Paul wasn't talking about being justified by works, like as in like good works, like thing charity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He was talking about being not being justified by works of the law, which is a very different um, way of looking at things. And it turns out the new perspective on Paul, a lot of those folks are saying the same thing. They're saying something that ancient Christianity was saying as well. It's really helpful to understand. Uh, if you really want to
1: go wild uh go go past the uh new perspective on paul into the apocalyptic reading of paul oh yeah and that once you get into like um chris like uh no um not in that way mm-hmm. when i say apocalyptic um but it would be in the in the truest sense of the word like an unveiling yeah um one if you get into like douglas campbell and and start reading Romans through the apocalyptic um view of Paul where I'll give you a for instance when Paul is writing Romans 1 through 4 you're not just getting Paul's theology or anything you're getting um rhetorical arguments between Paul and a a false teacher either in Rome or on the way to Rome hmm. and, and and it's it's written by Paul obviously, uh, but Paul is playing a sarcastic conversation back and forth. Yeah. Um it's really a mind bender when you get into like, oh, maybe maybe Paul's not like I I don't like I said, I don't I think of myself almost post-Christian, yeah. but I still defend Paul. Paul can be problematic, but I think so much of what we read of Paul is really him having a it would be like getting mad at um, Stephen Colbert for what he said on the Colbert Report. You're like, well, mm-hmm. we have to understand sarcasm and
0: irony, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, I think Keith always talks about this uh prosopi- or something like that. Uh, Prosop. I've heard
1: prosopopoeia and prosopopia. Um. Yeah. I mean, whether it's literally that or not, it it is this Greek rhetorical argument that Paul is doing, mm-hmm. and Uh, Like I've got Joseph Joseph Campbell, Douglas Campbell. I do have Joseph Campbell too, but not related to this conversation. Um, Douglas Campbell's book is a doorstop. It's like 1,200 pages with 300 pages of footnotes. And it's written almost bilingually. So it's English and Greek. And so I can't claim to understand it all. But there's a lot of really good videos. Um, Richard Beck does a a great 12-part series, kind of breaking it down in lay terms of what's going on. Um, and then where it can be used elsewhere in Corinthians and uh, J. Louis Martin's book on Galatians is I think in line with the more apocalyptic reading of Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's wild, just like um, N.T. Wright doesn't quite buy it, but um, so what, like, I, I yeah. think it, I think it helps make, it makes sense of the situation. So it's kind of like going back to that. What, what makes more sense in the grand scheme of things is like faith in Christ or faith of Christ? Well, the latter. What makes sense in this apocalypse? It made this this apocalyptic reading of Paul, uh, when I cared about such matters, um, was something that really made sense and resonated with me. Just it checked off all the boxes. Like mm. the arguments for everything was a little bit stronger, and so it's like, well, I, that makes the most sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I've done, I've heard of that. Now that you mention it, and it's I didn't know it was called the apocalyptic reading of Paul, but that's really that's really neat and. Yeah, it, it 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 becomes like a, a minefield, right? When you now when you're trying to cherry pick scriptures or cherry pick uh, passages, yeah. well, what if you're cherry picking an argument he's using rhetorically against another person? That's, that's the great irony of like <laughs> Romans 1, 26
1: and twenty seven, the uh, the clobber passages mm-hmm. against the gays. It's like, well, if if uh, Douglas Campbell and Chris Tilling and all those, uh, you know, apocalyptic Pauline scholars are correct. Mm -hmm. The great irony is all the Calvinists and all the homophobes are quoting the false teacher that Paul is refuting, like verses Mm -hmm. later, like the wrath of God uh, stuff in Romans 1, the um, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated in Romans 9, that's, that's, Paul is eventually refuting them in, in Romans 11 with the grand culmination of like god's going to be merciful on everyone like you're quoting the very first mm. part of this rhetorical argument where paul concludes with the like the mic drop of like uh everyone's saved everyone's under god's mercy what a heretic you are i'm such a heretic <laughs> but that that jacob and esau thing is so annoying like just oh, you don't yeah. even re- oh. you don't even need paul because look at They use that passage, right? They use that passage to say, oh, yeah, some see, some are saved and some are damned, Jacob and Esau. And you're Mm -hmm. like, have you read Genesis? Like Jacob and Esau, like... (laughs) They make up. And they make up and and they kiss on each other's neck. Like this is a very intimate, familial, like, you know, resolution to a family fight. Mm. Oh, but God's then going to send Jacob to hell. I mean, Esau. Esau's the bad guy. Mm. Jacob's the good one. Uh, He's going to really, like... That's that's how you're going to Have you read the story? How are you going to use that that Paul was certainly aware of the reconciliation of Jacob and Esau? Why would he then use that to argue for some being done? It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, that that's a I mean that's a great point. You know, they always use that as a Have you read Romans as a slam 9? Dunk. Yeah, read it. Have, have you read, read Romans it? Read all the way to 11, please, and then go to Genesis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah and and they had me fooled you know At for a time i was like yeah paul says it right there he says it clear as you know, day he's a paul is a calvinist he he knew calvin he
1: yeah. lived in the same era
0: <laughs> i think they lived down the street um, <laughs> they did. what's funny about
1: reading paul clearly is that doesn't peter say in them meaning paul's letters or yeah. things that are very difficult to understand exactly like if they don't like they're in the same worldview, they have the same context, they have the same Jewish background, they have the same—well, mm-hmm. not necessarily walking literally with Jesus, but they yeah. live in the same time frame. And yet, Peter's still like, "This dude is hard to understand." Yeah, and 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 we're gonna be two
0: thousand years later and be like, "Paul was
1: clear about this," and they're like, "How arrogant do you have to
0: be?" But then you have very clear passages, like in James. You know, James is probably the most clearest speaker. You know, when it comes to. I mean, he speaks out against a business owner is not taking care of their workers. You know, he speaks out about the the necessity of of work when it comes to um, self, like when it comes to justification. So, but we like to ignore those those things that are very clear and then harp on the things that are not clear. It's really wild that, yeah, when you do point out things,
1: the, the irony of it all is like, uh you want to get real nuanced all of a sudden when I bring up like I don't know slavery in the Bible mm-hmm. or things that are really uh you know, like, hey, this does seem to be clear, and you're like, oh, now we gotta nuance it and get really <laughs> yeah. contextual and mm-hmm. all this stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, we we should be nuanced and contextual, but you only kind of do it when it suits you, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: or even I i think it's really frustrating, like the whole Gehenna passages, right? Because Gehenna was an an actual historical physical geographical place like what do you certainly. do with that what do you do with the fact that that's a real place now do you take jesus literally you know well they never took him literally
1: because jesus i don't see any one-eyed one-handed one-footed christians who are doing yeah. self-mutilation because uh they certainly have sinned right <clears throat> mm. that's a it's a weird it's a weird mixing of like jesus when he talks about gehenna he's often attaching like go gouge out your eyes lest you Mm -hmm. end up um so that part is supposed to be very less than literal because everyone i know no i've never met a christian who's done that literally but then they're going to end up in a little a literal place of suffering it's like so literal? what's not jesus is really a confused creator of (laughs) metaphors
0: and things you know that's another thing too like that's kind of humbled me in my faith is like Jesus spoke to thousands of people. And he was not clear. He was not clear with them. Um, there were certain people who, you know, he seemed to say, like, those who have the ears to hear it, let them hear it, you know, but then ultimately, the message wasn't necessarily for everyone. And that that's what makes it difficult too. and he even speaks about not even coming to even speak to the Gentiles, you know, I'm only here for the Jews, I'm only here for my my people. So it's like, then how does that become a universal message? And there's a lot yeah. of questions. <laughs> well, I think
1: I think what becomes universal is the non-theological things at first. It's like mm-hmm. it's very practical things. I'm gonna well, of course he's gonna help his people because his mm-hmm. people are widows suffering in the street, yeah, the poor who can't feed themselves and their family, the people who are afflicted with disease that then get blamed for having the disease because theologically that's the truth. If you mm-hmm. if you are diseased, you are a sinner or your parents are he was there for those people. And that's, you know, uh, that stuff was very clear. It was a very clear, but yet difficult message. I think then, yeah, what do we do theologically about Jesus? Mm. That's when it gets really like complicated because I think we get, this is super reductive, but I think we, we get the ethic of being human from Jesus and we get the, Mm. The theology of the church,
0: mainly from Paul. Yeah, Mm. yeah, and and obviously he was speaking universally in some senses. You know, I will draw, I will draw all men to myself. You know, he's speaking about. Well, he's not. I mean, even if you don't take the universalist interpretation, you just see that as like meaning all men, meaning all kinds of men. You know, and he's still speaking. There was a, a a message of reaching out towards the Gentiles.
1: And when, yeah, I spoke, it, yeah, when I spoke, yeah, when I spoke
0: recently with a Jewish friend, um, he was saying, you know, the whole concept of, of the, you know, God being the Father of all people, and and also the Gentiles being included within the family of God, that's that wasn't new, when Jesus, Jesus was just pointing out something that was already in Judaism, which is really fascinating.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, his first. Um... I put it in air quotes because we're on an audio podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, His first sermon, uh, after being tested in the wilderness, uh, he goes in in Luke 4 and speaks or reads from uh, Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Um, When the crowds get all pissy with him, he points to their tradition. He's like, didn't our greatest prophets heal those outside our borders? So the day of jubilee <laughs> is for everyone. Um, mm. That upsets some people, but it—that is a universal truth too. The minute mm. you start talking about uh, going outside of whatever your own culture's borders are mm. to bless those and help those that are who are in groups, they are out. Um, that really gets people riled up and mm. fired up, and that—but Jesus is just pointing to his own tradition, like Naaman the Syrian. This is like a. Um, a general or some sort of soldier, you know, uh, uh, you know, he, I think he was a general with soldiers who would have literally killed Jews in battle. Like, and did he not get healed by mm. our greatest prophets? Yeah. So yeah, it's within that tradition to do that. He's just pointing it out.
0: Um, yeah, my dot, da- my, um, I have two daughters and my youngest one, she was, she's going to be two in a couple of weeks. Her oh, name is, her name, thank you. <laughs> And we named her Ruth because I really liked the name Ruth. And I also, I like, I like those old names. I I hate when, you know, people name kids like Mark or Brittany or Megan or whatever, you know, it's like everybody's named that, you know. Anyway, I like unique names. Yeah. Like Matthew, come on. That's not, that's unoriginal. Peter, that's not original.
1: Well, I I like Peter. Peter, I I don't think you're supposed to call your guests unoriginal here. Sorry. You are original. I didn't know. Stefano. My
0: name. I've never heard Di Stefano before. So
1: you haven't. Living out in the in in Wista. I, I tried to spell my names uh for someone in Rhode Island and they got
0: snarky with me. They're like, I know. I oh, know well, explain. Rhode Island has a lot of Italians. Yeah. Worcester doesn't have as many.
1: Worcester or, or, has or, a or lot You got a
0: bunch of Irish up there? Um, <clears throat> there's quite a mix. I mean, we got Irish, we got we get some Italians we get Rhode Island's isolated, weird because it's still very pocketed like
1: I lived in a por- I lived in a Portuguese neighborhood Portuguese, restaurants yeah. were Portuguese there was a Portuguese like <laughs> and I'm part Portuguese too but oh, yeah. the the name's the name's Sicilian I almost said the mm-hmm. name's a Sicilian
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, my
1: my grandfather's Sicilian Pozzi. Yeah. okay well What's I actually found out that uh I'm of the Italian portion that I am yeah. I'm genetically more northern Italian And Sicilian, I my um my maternal grandmother, her family came from Sicily, but maybe they were maybe they moved from Northern Italy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Anyway, yes, there are a lot of Italians. I mean, Federal Hill, right? Did you go to Federal Hill?
1: Federal, yeah. You drive by. It smells like marinara
0: on ninety-five venda's delicious oh that place is good
1: i don't remember the names of <laughs> some of the places but uh there were uh, you ever been to Hemingway's in, in providence
0: i don't think i have That was, was like that
1: the a, best the best fish place you'd ever be to, uh been to i'm right. not a big fish
0: person was that portuguese
1: no nah, it was like fancy it was okay, probably fancy. just like french you know like it was like uh, you know like you know french cuisine
0: what about chico anything good there
1: uh nothing like nothing like back i mean we have a lot of um we have donald trump's nightmare we have a we have a, a, a taco truck on every street corner you know oh. we got a lot yeah i would fantastic. not be upset with that no it's fantastic <clears throat> a lot of um a lot of uh, you know mexicans uh, up here and really? um so we got a lot of mexican food and really good mexican food um mm. we have a a decent sized asian population so there are some good vietnamese places and um some good Thai restaurants um I I I have celiac so I can't do Chinese restaurants oh no
0: my wife does too
1: oh yeah well it's better than it used to be yeah it is Uh, like back in the day like eating bread it was like like (laughs) before celiac was cool like I had it
0: (laughs) I was like (laughs) he did everything before it was cool yeah i was ahead of the game i was like i'm off gluten. They're
1: like what's gluten now it's like everyone's off the gluten i'm like yeah. i was there man you guys are making me look bad <laughs> i literally have a disease um, why do you choose that lifestyle yeah why why don't you just eat gluten <laughs> yeah, i'll eat gluten and i'll show you why <laughs> um, anyway yeah no there's some good you know sierra nevada has a decent decent restaurant oh do they uh, have a restaurant they have a restaurant yeah. yeah every brewery has to have a
0: restaurant right it's um
1: yeah, there's some decent food out
0: here i guess anyway i was i was on the topic of ruth because, <laughs> because I, I, I take i take things on tangents sometimes no, I don't know it's, if it's okay way. um my daughter ruth i named her that because i really like the story of ruth in in the old testament right and and what's fascinating when what i noticed about it like the same day that she was born i'm like wait this story is about a gentile being brought into the family of god way before it was it was before it's cool. cool before it was cool <laughs> yeah He's a hipster. Yeah, it's a
1: mixed bag. You know, the whole Bible is a mixed bag. You got some people like, you know, got, you've got rhetoric about Gentiles and Wisdom of Solomon, thirteen fourteen. Mm. Same rhetoric Paul uses yeah. that, that they would have been using in the church about Gentiles. Then you've got, uh, I'm sure there'd be Gentile writings mm. if we had them about Jews, like how terrible Jews are. Oh, yeah. yeah, all, You know, all this all this do. rhetoric back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Mein Kampf. But, but the you know, the Jews had... Uh, you never, anytime someone says the Jews, it's like, oh, Don't something. say that. Oh, you can't say that. No, no, no. <laughs> the Jewish writings and are, are a testament to the fact that they were a people who welcomed in the immigrant. This is back in like, you hear a lot of, in Deconstruction Land, it's like a Disneyland place. In Deconstructionville, you have a lot of people who are like, just like shit on the Bible. And you're like, hold on, this is a really progressive text. If you study mm. ancient history, and they're talking about welcoming in the neighbor, and welcoming in the immigrant, and treating them like one of your own. You're like, okay, yeah, they definitely don't get everything right, but I think they definitely push humanity forward. Without them having these writings and living this life, and believe it could have been a lot slower progression. Mm. And I think, I think Jewish people and the Jewish faith. Um, have pushed us forward as a as a species, and they that's seem to
0: I continue mean. to right. It's very fascinating, you know. Most I don't get why people
1: are. I don't get the the anti Jewish stuff. I mean, I know that I'm sure. I'm sure we've all said stupid stuff or stuff that's mm-hmm. out of turn, right? Yeah. Oh, that's anti Semitic. Oh, oh, that's anti black. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. We all misstep, right? Mm-hmm. But this anti like like truly anti Semitic. I don't. I don't get mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Like have you met jewish people they're fantastic have you met black people they're fantastic like yeah. what are we talking like what <laughs> are you talking about i just it n- I, no no like,
0: you're you're not wrong and uh, the unfortunate side to it i don't want to get too much into this topic but unfortunately christians have played a large role in that you have you had a lot of anti-semitic talk from luther back in the day in germany and the lutherans yeah. took over the religion in germany and down the line you get you know ultimately the nazis who were in that in that um swimming in that anti-semitic um the anti-semitic aspects of misreading the scripture and, and misreading like the new testament as saying oh the jews killed jesus you know he's he was a jew what do you mean <laughs> like, yeah yeah well
1: i mean our words i i said earlier that words aren't magic they're not like an incantation but they do matter they they do they're really influential and luther said some horrible things about about jew uh, Mm -hmm. jewish people and 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 he was you know not coincidentally uh hitler's favorite theologian yeah so um i think i think we have to be very careful of our words i think we have to have balance though like we have to allow Mm -hmm. we have to allow people to misstep and and say things and and have the conversation like hey uh okay i didn't i i was there was a unrelated but sort of related um there was an interaction where someone two people that I know one person really well one person so sort of well just online um she said something about um Rihanna being from a third world country, and then it was like, hey, that's really offensive and the inter- in interaction was that of education and understanding mm. by the end of it, and I was like, oh, that's a beautiful display of two people who are who are not coming to the situation of trying to be right or wrong but about yeah. learning and curiosity and growth and so when mm. when the misstep happened there was immediate re- growth and the person who said that was in a state of repentance changing their mind when mm. brought, metanoia. brought new information. right metanoia changing your mind when brought new information that you didn't think of changed mm. the way you think and so when it was brought to their attention oh yeah that is offensive i'm not gonna use that anymore and so yeah. Like, oh, that is one that's a beautiful, like that's a good point. Say what, say what you want about social media. It has terrible things about it, but that's one instance where social media is like,
0: oh, that's a win right there. And I think we've all experienced that to some degree, because I think I don't think anybody who is white in America can really escape the fact that you know white supremacy exists. It's kind of like the water that we swim in in a lot of ways. And I think we've all come across those thoughts or sentiments or even jokes i know there's a lot of jokes um um, you know i remember growing up in high school and people would draw swastikas on the bathroom wall because they thought it was funny you know it's just stuff like that it's like why are we still doing that come on man (laughs) but yeah but ultimately it's when it's when you're confronted with differing thoughts and differing perspectives that you, you have to pause and be like wait i was wrong i changed my mind I'm going the other way. I'm turning around, 180 degrees. Yeah, Christians mm. should be at the forefront
1: of that. It's they should like, be. Oh, for sure. You know, it, we should not put. I mean, if 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 something's brought to our attention, we should always have a. Um, I I say we. I I don't include myself generally, Damn. but Christians should. I mean, I have a Christian context and a Christian background, mm-hmm. so they're still my people. Um, yeah. We should have. We should be at the forefront of always changing our mind. It's it's emphasized. Yeah. It's emphasizing Christianity and then misunderstood to mean like, oh, I'm sorry for the bad stuff I did today. I'm sorry I said fuck twice, goddamn it once. <laughs> I cut off that person in traffic and I muttered. You know, it's that stuff. It's like, okay, kind of not that important Yeah, compared to like the interaction earlier. Hey, the word you just said offends me as a black person. Oh, mm. I didn't think of it like that. I'm really sorry. I'm going to change my mind on that hey that's fantastic yeah. wonderful great and it's yeah. like that right there is way more important than i'm sorry for this abstract cussing yeah. under my breath or whatever
0: it's a different level of maturity and growth it's a different sure. level of yeah and a different level of
1: spirituality i think too
0: for sure you know i've been thinking a lot about um when when jesus says be perfect as your father is perfect yeah. um a lot of people think he's talking about uh, moral perfection yeah. But he's really talking about being perfected, being fully matured. The word is like telos, telos, like come to your telos, like be complete, be mature. And the context, too, is when he's saying how the father get, reigns, sends rain to the just and the unjust He, he and rain and son to the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. Yeah. You know. So being perfect means loving your enemies, loving the insider and the outsider in that way. Yeah, the
1: the whole of chapter five, right? I, I know that Jesus wasn't writing chapters, right? And Jesus <laughs> didn't write the Gospels, but the way we break it up is that at the end of chapter five, the like the conclusion so far is be perfect, right? As your father. Well, what mm-hmm. is that perfection? Well, one go through back. Four, one through forty seven, all that stuff right there. It's about mercy. It's about it's about mm-hmm. you know loving and welcoming and um being compassionate and empathetic and
0: my brain when i was a teenager flipped the switch i'm like oh now he's talking about moral perfection you know don't lust don't swear yeah. don't drink and, you know <laughs> it's like what and it's-
1: and i get it like when you when you i think when you're <sighs> i think when we approach those topics we can approach them in a different way too cuz i can say all those things and say yeah there there is valid there's something valid to saying those things like i don't go in the world of don't but yeah. it, there is a point in our lives where we need that mm.
0: um, boundaries of some sort. Don't
1: spirit. yeah, like I mean, I I would I would say that um, there there's there's something to be said about not just going around lusting after when you lust after something you burn it all the time. Like maybe you objectify. Like there's reasons not to do certain things. Mm. I just think Christianity, practical reasons, right? Practical. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, for the most part, like, don't don't have a flippant divorce. Right. There's that passage in, in mm-hmm. Matthew five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would give I, in a certain context, I would give that that um, that advice to people
0: like, yeah, just generally adultery just generally, is generally. Yeah. Great, like, you
1: know, no, it's not great. <laughs> like there's consequences to your actions. Uh-huh. But it's how it's I think it's how God responds to that. God still would respond in a loving, compassionate way. And we see it as like, oh, we better not do that or we're going to get squished like a bug or lit on fire for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, no, I'm saying don't do those things. But it's not like if you do, God's out to get you. That's not Mm -hmm. going to help the situation ever. Like this whole business of like, now you're a universalist, so therefore you're just going to go around sinning, no consequences Mm -hmm. for your actions, go around murder, kill steal whatever like that wouldn't be practical it's not practical it's exhausting no um i don't think we have the propensity i i I don't believe in this like completely total depraved thing Mm -hmm. Um, and since that's where they're coming from i guess that's why they believe that if if there are no consequences your total depraved nature is going to fully kick in you're going to be a terrible person Mm -hmm. i don't have that and i have no desire to do all those terrible things that Christians are so worried about what you're going to do if God's not out there to get you.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, I as we come to a close, I have, I have one more question. You know, because a lot of what I'm looking into is this diverse expression of quote unquote Christian spirituality and tradition. And as as you mentioned, you don't find yourself in that camp completely, but it's still your spiritual heritage. You know, mm-hmm. it's still it's still where you have some sort of roots and um, legs yeah um, and or trunks or roots yeah roots on a tree Um, anyway what does I think a lot of people would assume post-christian means no faith no spirituality right no beliefs you know yeah. they yeah. think oh you're atheist or something right but correct us you know what what is what is post-christian spirituality look like Right. Faith,
1: uh, like. I'd be happy to correct you. Yeah, I think. um I think the notion of atheism is uh, a kind of a metaphysical absurdity, but that's a topic for a different discussion. Um, for me, I'll give you an analogy. It's like, if you are, like when, um, when the fellowship leaves Lothlorien and they get in their canoes, um, if they're if they're going down the river and then they want to go to the right side and that's where they're done with the canoes it would be weird for them to continue to carry them along with the paddles if they're then going into the forest right so for me christianity is the boat and the paddles and i'm on the shore on the other side and i'm just going to continue on and I'm no longer on the river so i don't need the boat and the paddles any longer However, I have no disdain for the boat and the paddles cuz they got me where I was going for a time. So I no longer think about it. I no longer I no longer use the language Christian. I don't think it's I because we can't have any semblance of a unity of meaning on what that means. It's it's kind of a vapid statement. Like I'm Christian, so then I have to well I have to clarify I'm I'm not homophobic. I I don't believe in hell. I'm not a white nationalist, um, you know. There's all these things we have to qualify it with. I don't affirm the creeds necessarily. I don't care if you do. I don't care if you don't. So then I have to say, like historically, by definition, I'm probably not a Christian. I still believe that, um, whether literal or not, like I think the resurrection is the culmination of a of a great Jesus story. And, and I don't exactly know what it means, but I also know that a good story doesn't end in death and nothing more. So, um, in that way, I kind of have my toe in Christianity, but on a practical day-to-day sense, I don't, I don't think of those things. I, I simply just try to be present in the moment and be who I am and be true to who I am and be compassionate and loving and caring towards other people and creatures and the earth and everything
0: oh beautiful do you have any spiritual practices that you engage in <laughs> um
1: i i'd say the most spiritual thing i do is uh garden and sit yeah. around on my best friend's porch and chat about philosophy and politics and mm. life and you know uh we used to drink whiskey. I don't really drink anymore. It's California. So, you know, we smoke a little herb and hang out. That's the most spiritual thing I do. Wow.
0: That's neat. So, so what, are there any spirit, uh, spiritual practices that you've taken from Christianity into your post Christianity? Um, you know, it's funny. A lot, I feel like a lot of Protestantism you know, doesn't really emphasize it, spiritual well, that's, practices. That's the issue. That's what I was just going to say like Catholicism you have great yeah contemplative uh um, sure. practices. Eastern Orthodox they're all about the Fame. inner life. Yeah. And the disciplines and stuff like that. Protestantism is just like read your Bible and say your prayers yeah, before bed. Your,
1: yeah. The, <laughs> like, so so no, I think that if I I if I were Catholic I could still I could be, you know, like my, my grandmother. still like, she never went to church, but she'd still do the cross if if she needed Jesus that Mm -hmm. moment, you know, like a a good Italian woman, no matter how Catholic they are, they're always just like, Oh, I, I, I'm still Catholic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I might not do any Catholic shit, but I'm still Catholic. Um, but I, so I I see the beauty in that. I see like, Okay, I get it. When Richard Rohr talks, he's Catholic. When he talks about it, I okay, I see the. That's not my background, so I'm not like naturally drawn to it. But there's nothing there for like Protestantism, like the music I played on worship teams, like that is not something. That's the dog going back to its own vomit. Um, it, musically, I have a, I went to university for music. Really, I could, tell, I could tell you right now, contemporary Christian music is not good no it's not it's not good it's manipulative it's vapid you can write a song i guarantee you i I could write lyrics to a song about i'll definitely compare god to some sort of weather pattern oceans or a (laughs) rainstorm in (laughs) summer and i got a hit i guarantee you could do that so you're a musician
0: do you have any music out there
1: um yeah i do i oh really yeah, I'd, I'd love to I hear. It. It. I'm a musician I did too. it. I did it just as fun. One time, I I did some. I actually did some hip hop, and it's not terrible. It's pretty Ooh. good, actually. Um. Well, now you can have some new samples for Melissa Childers. <laughs> yeah, if I I will probably sample her if she actually Matthew D. Matthew, yeah. yeah, yeah. Matthew D. Stefano,
0: Matthew progressive, progressive, Matthew DiStefano yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a. It's going a bop.
0: <laughs> And I would have <laughs> I
1: would have to use it for like an intro to something. Yeah. I'm going to send it to you. I'll find it. I'm going to be severely disappointed if you mistake someone else. (laughs) I will. Damn it. I Dang it. I really thought maybe. because Keith's (laughs) going to love that too. I'm not even going to tell him. I'll surprise him.
0: I promise you there was an episode. I will look back through my listen to episodes. This is back in fall of 2020. So I got to go back a little ways, but I'll find it. All right. The challenge is on. It was when she was first coming out with the book. I think she had... Either just released it, or she was just about to release another, another, another. God, gossip, another. Gossip, yeah. Gossip, gossip. That
1: um, I didn't like that cover.
0: No, me neither. And I'm like...
1: really picky about covers because Ralph is the goat. Mm. Ralph require I mean, it, go look at our our
0: our book covers. They're like yeah. works of art. Um, I like. I'd have be... you have you seen? Are you familiar with Pete Dens? Yeah. He has this new book that came out. I don't know if you. It was called Curveball. It has a really yeah. funky retro um like 80s 90s style covers yeah, really pete, cool.
1: pete was on the heretic happy hour once upon a time he's funny i uh i haven't talked to him in a long time and then his book was number one in a category when it was coming out and my book uh, one of the bonfire sessions the one the booklets i do with mike was like number two and i was trying to talk some trash about him and he gives it right back he's really funny about that like he's mm-hmm. he's a scholar but then you could like you know pal around with him he's pretty fun
0: yeah, I really enjoy him and um, Jared Bias on the, the battle yeah. for normal people. Jared's
1: cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Do you have any final words? If if you were to say Alyssa Child is right, Childers is right in front of you. What would you say to her?
1: I would say Elisa, um it's going to be really good for both of our algorithms for us to talk. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> no, I would really, <laughs> I would really say I would love at some point to have a discussion about something that we would disagree with because i guarantee i'll be really respectful and i would just ask the same and i think it could be a really beneficial learning uh moment for not only us but her listeners Mm. i think it helps to humanize people and i think i think in some way i don't want to use the word dehumanize because i don't think she's dehumanized people but it's kind of I think sometimes we talk about these concepts and these people as if I, you know, it's almost like she talks about progressive Christians as some big, bad voodoo monster. Mm, yeah. And we're, and, and I would say that I'm, I've, I've progressed past progressive Christianity, mm-hmm. but those are my people too. And so I would, you know, I would like to have an honest conversation. So maybe she can have a more nuanced approach. I think yeah. I, I think I think she needs some nuance. That'd just be my critique of her mm-hmm. in an honest way.
0: But in a in a worldview that doesn't allow nuance, that needs clear answers, it's hard to do. And an audience who she is depending on her to stay the course, you know, and that's what I think that's what makes it difficult. That's
1: too much pressure. Because it, it doesn't is. allow you to change. Because if, if if at some point the whole thing is built on something. Let's say, for instance, that Alisa in five years didn't affirm the things she has built this entire thing on. That would be very, very difficult for her career and personal to. What are you going to do? Are you going to come out and say that I actually think I'm now wrong? Or are you going to just double down and fake it? Yeah, The, the difference is that, like, for me, my whole writing experience, my whole content creating experience, has been more about the journey. So it doesn't necessarily I don't have to attach, I don't have to look at all set free in 2015 and say I agree with that anymore. It's where I was and I'm glad I wrote it. And I've stepped on my own shoulders to get to where I'm going. I built on that and I changed and evolved. And I think where if you build on like John Piper, you're you you're everything's built on 28 point Calvinism. <laughs> <laughs> if one of them comes out what do you do about your whole business your whole content creation thing like jenga you lie or you risk losing it all i don't have to risk that because the people are like oh matt's where okay matt changed his view yeah that's part of it my my Mm. writing experience is a journal not necessarily like all this got to stay true the
0: whole time so when when someone reads your books from the past they're not necessarily reading you, right? They're reading a past you in a sense. They're there. Yeah. And I would recommend
1: different books to different people. If someone said, Hey, I'm really, I'm a, I'm gonna, not, I'm a Christian. And what do I do about this, 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 I might give them, well, if all those questions are the questions I answer in heretic, I might give him that. Mm-hmm. Or I might go, Hey, I'm worried about the can I explain why, why are humans so violent? Why? What about the Bible? I would give them from mm-hmm. the blood of Abel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If so, you know, so it's like, and I would say if I, Hey, I don't know if I'm 100% there anymore, and I wouldn't put it in this terms, but this is really helpful for what you're looking for. Mm. And, you know, if you want to have a conversation about it, that'd be cool. I might be, I might be in a different place than what I wrote, but I still, I still affirm it in that world. Like, I just don't necessarily, like, I'm a universalist. I don't know if I'm a Christian universalist, and I don't care if that, if, if Christian universalism happens to be true, I'm cool with that. And if it's not, I'm cool with that too. Like it's not, I don't need to affix myself to what I currently believe personally.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's really meaningful that you're willing to be honest with your journey and not, you know, cause when I, you know, there are aspects of Elisa Charles or Childers and other folks like, like her that I, I, you know, I appreciate what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, she has great audio, uh,
1: great video, very professional. I'll give sure. her that. Very and that, That's important. It's very good mm-hmm. branding.
0: Yeah, and great branding and catchy little theme song. Ding, ding, totally, like with the, yeah, you know. Um, but um, what was I gonna say? What I was gonna say is, it does. There does seem to be some inauthenticity to it, and also it gets boring when she just keeps it's, talking about yeah, the same thing every episode. You know, progressive it's, Christianity, it's, deconstruction. It seems
1: like it seems like those instances where you just go to hear a pastor tell you what you already believe yeah instead of a curiosity about hey this this progressive Christian well she would call me a progressive Christian or post Christian I don't care she'd
0: call you. she'd probably consider you well now
1: deconverted
0: you know sure so yeah, let's, he's deconstructed uh, yeah. out of faith
1: so aren't you curious about that though if you talk yeah. all this stuff about it, like come talk to me I would talk I would totally talk to you. talk to Keith Keith's way friendlier if you don't think that I'm gonna be super friendly because mm-hmm. I'm not always nice, but I will promise to be but yeah but i think keith's it's way way me. keith's way kind like way oh, nice yeah. like the nicest dude i've ever met and he's willing to dialogue
0: want, with this Bible and he too. is
1: he and, and and so it's like why wouldn't you talk to that guy he's not gonna be disrespectful in fact he's sometimes i'm more like paul i'm a little snarky and kind of an asshole but keith's mm, more yeah. like jesus but yeah i think jesus was a little bit of an asshole sometimes too but you know for good reason he was a
0: yeah I an mean, asshole
1: is not the right word but he would i bet that's what i bet that's what people thought of him He's oh yeah, asshole. for oh, sure. He, yeah.
0: Well, if he truly fashioned a whip and went into the temple and started whipping people and turning over tables, uh, then...
1: I don't think he was whipping people though. I don't know. People. It doesn't. It doesn't say that. He, I mean, maybe he drove, was just for looks. He drove animals out. Of, ah, okay. Uh, you know, that's a kind of an anti-sacrificial text, I think. Mm. But yeah.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, maybe, if he was
1: whipping people, assault. I don't
0: know. No, I don't like that either. I don't think. But that still, happened. maybe just like the intent, the intent of like. Yeah,
1: maybe. Or just like dramatic and prophetic, and
0: yeah. or it was that was their theological interpretation of the events. Like he went in there, guns ablazing. Like he didn't maybe. really have guns, you know. Blazing, yeah, yeah. yeah. How we say yeah. that. Really, totally. he was just angry because he even had a whip. Well, yeah, maybe he didn't. Anyway, and to, yeah. Anywho, thank you so much. As I was saying, oh, yeah. your authenticity is really meaningful. It's really important to hear.
1: Thanks. I appreciate and,
0: um, it. I'm glad that I got the chance to even just platform your voice. Um, um, thanks for coming on and being a fellow traveler. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Lord, lord, the nature of your wrath it's not an easy path. But I'm willing to trust though I'm dying In the dust